Well, good morning. Uh, it's a wonderful day to be here with you and to be worshiping God. Before I get into the sermon, there's three little pieces of business I wanted to talk about. And the first is, if you've not had your chance to fill out your giving, your estimate of giving, and how you're going to commit to the church with your prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, please do so. And you can, there's a basket at the back. You can drop it in there or you can hand it to me, either one. The second is, I wanted to tell you all about the Disciples Path class. Uh, we haven't had a whole lot of time to announce it with everything else that's been going on. This is your opportunity. If you're not connected, we really want you to come. Uh, we're going to talk about what it means to be a disciple and how to follow God. It's usually a class of about five or six people. It's a great way to meet some folks and to learn about what we're all about at Rockbridge. And that's going to be Monday nights from 7 to 8, six weeks. It's going to be a great time. Get to hang out with me, uh, which is usually a good thing. Um, <laughs> And then after church, we have our family meeting, which all are invited to, but I really want to encourage our partners to attend. Uh, we have just a few orders of business that we need to take care of, uh, including voting on Benny King, our very own Benny King, who we uh, are voting on for her call to ministry. So that'll be very exciting. So I want you to stay. It's not going to be super long, but we're going to kind of set the vision for 2019 and our goals and some of those things. So you'll definitely want to stick around. Grab a donut, grab your coffee, and come back in. Uh, right after worship. So I will hope you stick around for that. Today is a big day. 100 years ago today, the great powers of the world got together and decided enough was enough and that this war, the war to end all wars, needed to be over. It's Armistice Day. It's where we get our Veterans Day is, is directly out of, of that treaty that happened to celebrate the, the sacrifice that our veterans make. For, for our country and for other countries. So if you're a veteran, I, I deeply appreciate your service and all that you do for our nation. There was a, a belief in the 19th and 20th century that humans, uh, with enough education, with enough enlighten, enlightenment, with the right ideas and the right science, that somehow we'd eventually get to a point where there would be no more war, there would be no more violence. We would progress to a point where everybody would be good and everybody would have enough and everyone would be happy and we would stop fighting each other. Well, those beliefs took a great blow with World War I. It was a terrifying war, war in a way that nobody had seen in a long time, ever really. 20 million people were killed in World War I. It was a devastating blow to our world. But even after that, the, 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 the powers came together and said, this was foolish. Why were we fighting over these things? And they got together and, and they decided, let's have a peace treaty. Let's have peace. And again, the, that hope sprang up that maybe humans had decided once and for all that we would war no more. And then 20 years to the day, 20 years to the day of that treaty was Kristallnacht. And if you don't know what that is, that is the night of broken glass. And that is when the, the Nazis went from just persecuting the Jews on November 8th and 9th to rounding them up and arresting them and putting them in concentration camps. Until by the end of World War II, six million Jewish people in Germany and in Europe had been killed. Two-thirds of the Jewish population, all because some people believe that Having a certain heritage was better than another, or it was better to be part of Germany. And, and Germany invaded all over Europe, even the USSR, and, and you had Japan get in on it. And by the end of World War II, 50 million to 80 million people, between soldiers and civilians, had died. So 
So we went from the great war, the war to end all wars, to 20 years later, a war that was, made that one look small. It's amazing to think of the devastation that has happened in the 20th century and even into the 21st century. Because right after, at the end of World War II, we had the nuclear bombs dropped, and now we had a whole new reality, right? And, you know, I didn't grow up through the Cold War, but I know many of you guys did, that uh, that was a daily fear, wasn't it? It was a daily fear of nuclear destruction of the world. Although I do think it's funny they taught students to hide under their desk, (laughs) like that was going to do something against the nuclear explosion. It was a daily concern that, that we would go and one day we would just blow each other up with nuclear weapons. The Korean War, the Vietnam War, wars all across the world, the rise of terrorism. You know, there's, people, there's, there's young people today that are 16 and 17 who have not known a day without war. Think about that. Think how long America has been at war. And it's not just war, right? We know the human condition and our desire to sin. In the last two weeks, we've had two major mass shootings. You know, there's some statistics that say we have nearly a mass shooting every single day. We have a sin nature. It's true. And what we realized is that humans on our own are not going to progress to a place where we're going to stop killing each other. We're going to start hurting each other. We just find better ways of doing it to kill more people. And the truth is, and what we truly believe as Christians, is the only cure for the world is through Jesus Christ. Through the hope that we're given, through the transformation that we have new lives in Jesus. That's the hope. That's what we believe. That is what we stand for. But there's a great temptation even for Christians to turn to sin. There's a great temptation for us to not live the lives that we are called to live. So we're going to spend the next three weeks on something called three simple rules. Now, I want to be very clear here that we're not trying to set up some sort of, you know, you discipline yourself this way and all of a sudden you're a good person, right? These rules we do because of our love for God, right? Because we want to be the people that God wants us to be, because we desire God in our life, we want to be more like Christ. We have three simple rules. John Wesley, our founder of the United Methodist Church, of the Methodist movement, said that these three simple rules are essential These are the three general rules of the church that we need to practice. Do no harm, stay in love with God, and do good. Do no harm, stay in love with God, and do good. So this week we're talking about do no harm. Next week, Ashley, I saw her around here somewhere, she's in the back. She's going to preach. I've already heard it. It's a great sermon, so you want to make sure you're here for that, to stay in love with God, what that means how to daily stay in love with God, and then we're going to live it out with Be the Church Sunday on Do Good. We're going to go, we're going to meet for worship, and then we're going to actually go into our community. We're going to shut down the walls of the church, and we're going to get out into our community and do these projects that may seem like little things, but to those we are helping, they are major, massive things. So the first one is do no harm. Out of our love and devotion for God, we are called to do no harm in this world. And that means do no harm to God, do no harm to each other, do no harm to ourselves, and do no harm to our planet. Do no harm. You know, part of what it means to be a Christian, when we think about the simple things that God has called us to, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, first of all, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
And of course, the golden rule, do to others as you would have them do to yourself. The problem is that too often Christians do not live as Christ would have us to live. Too often, I've talked about this before, that we have over a billion Christians in the world. We have a lot of people that say they're Christian, and it's not up to you and I to judge. We can only judge the character of our own hearts, right? And so this is, I want, I want to point this inward. Are you and I living the life that Jesus has called us to, to do no harm? Because oftentimes we say we're Christian, and we lie, and we cheat, we belittle others. Maybe we steal a little bit, you know, nothing too big. Maybe cheat on our taxes a little bit, or you get into the store and they charge you too little less, and like, oh, that's, that's a good day, right? We steal, we belittle others, we hurt others, we harm our environment, and we do not follow Jesus every day in every moment. And when Christians do this, when Christians live in a way where we harm others, we hurt our witness. We hurt what we're out to do, which is to bring light into the darkness. You know, God's desire is that we are one family. I mean, if you look at that throughout Scripture, that's, that's what the whole arc of Scripture is about. From the very beginning, from the Garden of Eden, through all the fall, through God calling the Jewish people, to God calling us as Christians, God wants us to be one family. We are children of God. God wants you to see your neighbor and say, that is my brother or sister. And I will not do them harm. Invite you to open up our scripture. I think we have a little trouble. I don't know if we, do we have the scripture? Okay, we have the scripture up here. I invite you to bring your Bible, what you read every single day so that you can follow along in your scripture. We also have Bibles out in our living room for you to pick up and take with you and, and, and read the Bible every single day because it will transform your life. Here's what it says. Here's uh, Paul talking to Titus. In fact, there are many who are rebellious people, loudmouths and deceivers, especially some of those who are Jewish believers. They must be silenced because they upset entire households. They teach what they shouldn't to make money dishonestly. Someone who is one of their own prophets said, People from Crete are always liars, wild animals, and lazy gluttons. This statement is true. Apparently, Paul didn't really like these Cretans. That's actually where we get the word Cretan. It's from this scripture. Because of this, correct them firmly so that they can be healthy in their faith. They shouldn't pay attention to Jewish myths and command from people who reject the truth. Everything is clean to those who are clean, but nothing is clean to those who are corrupt and without faith. Instead, their mind and conscience are corrupted. They claim to know God, but they deny God by the things that they do. They deny God by the things they do. They are detestable, disobedient, and disqualified to do anything good. So Paul is writing to Titus, one of the people he had traveled with. He had apparently gone to Crete. He was part of this church. And there were people in the church that were causing problems. They were teaching uh, people in the church to do things that they didn't need to do to follow Christ. In this particular case, it seems like, once again, there were Jewish Christians who were encouraging non-Jews to follow the Jewish laws. And, but they're, not, they're also not handling themselves in a very good way. Listen to how he describes them. Rebellious or stubborn, as some, people, some versions say. Loudmouths, deceivers, especially some of those who are Jewish believers. Uh, in verse seven, he, he gives seven and eight. He gives two examples 
of, of what people should be like. First, he says, they shouldn't be stubborn or irritable, addicted to alcohol, a bully, or greedy. Instead, they should show hospitality, love, what is good, and be reasonable, ethical, godly, and self-controlled. So that's what Paul is saying. You don't want to be like the first list, right? You don't want to be stubborn and addicted to alcohol, a bully, greedy. You want to show hospitality, love what is good, be reasonable, ethical, godly, and self-controlled. What he's saying is that we are called to not do harm to others. Do no harm. And he says if your actions are where you're doing harm, where you're not doing what God has called you to do, you are denying God. That's what he says in verse, verse 16. They claim to know God, but they deny God by the things they do. So my question for you this morning, when you look at the way that you act and the way that you interact with your neighbors and the way you act at work and with your friends and when, God, when we're not watching as a church, of course, God's always watching, right? Are you doing things that deny that you believe in God? Do no harm. We talk about what it means to do no harm. We talk about people not following Jesus in the way that we're called to. And the more that we sin, the more we put roadblocks in a relationship to God, the more that we harm our neighbors, the more that we treat others as we wouldn't want to be treated ourselves, the more we distance ourselves from God. So not only does it harm others when we sin, not only does it harm our relationships with the people around us and our friends and our family, it harms our relationship with God. Paul says, you deny God by the way you act when you harm others. So that's what we must do. We must, we must avoid doing harm. We must treat others the way we want to be treated. So you may be asking, is it possible in this world to live in a way that does no harm? It's not easy, isn't it? It's not easy. It's not easy for us to always be kind. We always get irritable. We get tired. We get frustrated. The stress gets to us. We get worn down. And sometimes we just want to lash out to others, whether they deserve it or not. And yet, if we are truly in love and devoted to God, we will do our best day in and day out to do no harm. That doesn't mean if you make a mistake, Lord knows I make a lot of them, that you can't go to God and say, God, I, I need your forgiveness. We believe when we ask for forgiveness, God will forgive us. But we also have to change our behavior and stop doing those things over and over and over again out of our love and devotion to God. So what, is, what harm are we avoiding? Harm in our relationship to God? Harm in our relationship to each other? Harm to ourselves? And harm to our world? When we... Like I said, when we sin, when we choose to say, I'm going to keep doing what you have told me not to do, God, whatever that might be for you, we're putting ourselves and our own desires before God when we harm others. When we harm our neighbors, we break in the relationship that God has designed for us. We're breaking that family, that intimacy God has for us. When we harm ourselves, sometimes when we choose to do evil, we're directly harming ourselves, whatever that choice may be whether it's addiction to pornography or addiction to alcohol or drugs or food or just being fully self-centered instead of God-centered. 
we can actually harm ourselves. And do we take care of the world around us? Do we make sure that, we're, that our footprint in our, in our world isn't causing damage, more damage than it needs to? Are we making sure that we're sustaining the resources that we need? Are we making sure that, we're making the, that our grandchildren and great-grandchildren will have this great world to live in? Do no harm. You know, when we talk about do no harm and avoiding hurting others, John Wesley had a long list. And I just wanted to read some of these to you. <clears throat> Here's what he listed. Taking the name of God in vain, pervading the Sabbath, buying or selling. Anybody do that on Sunday? Drunkenness, buying or selling liquor, slaveholding, fighting, returning evil for evil, buying goods but not paying taxes, unlawful interest, doing unto others and not the way we want done to ourselves, not glorifying God. You know, I think that's a long list, and I really think that we can wrap our minds around these. Here's what we need to do. We need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul. So when we're asking about behavior, if it harms others, do we say, and by this action, am I loving God? And the second thing we need to say is, am I loving my neighbor as myself? Do I love my neighbor through this action? Is what I'm doing something that I would do to a person that I care about. And the third thing is when we say treat others as we want to be treated. That is so incredibly important. Are you treating the people that you come in contact with, the people in your family, the people at your work, the people in public at the grocery store, wherever it might be, are you treating them as you want to be treated? Do no harm. I think ultimately this comes down to whether or not we truly believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, you will bring your life into pattern and live it as Christ has taught you to live. Every single day, am I loving God with all my heart, mind, and soul? Am I loving my neighbor as myself? Am I treating others as I want to be treated? You know, it's so important that we Get this in our mindset, because here's what one author said. We cannot trust ourselves too much, because we often lack grace and understanding. The light within us is small, and we soon let even this burn out for lack of care. Moreover, we often fail to notice how inwardly blind we are. For example, we frequently do wrong, and to make matters worse, we make excuses about it. Sometimes we're moved by passion and think it's zeal. We condemn small things in others and pass over serious things in ourselves. We are quick enough to feel it when others hurt us and when we harbor those feelings, but we do not notice how much we hurt others. A person who honestly examines his own behavior would never judge other people harshly. That's what we do when we leave it up to ourselves. So out of our devotion, out of your devotion, out of your love to God, commit to doing no harm. Commit to loving your neighbor. Commit to loving God. Commit to loving yourself. And do to others as you would like them to do to yourself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.